Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. up everybody it's your coach welcome to the coach hp show most positive show on the internet by far if you haven't yet please subscribe get your friends to subscribe rate the podcast give me your feedback i got nothing but love for every single one of you the most positive podcast on the internet right now the coach hp show so please take a second subscribe we love to have you on board Today's episode, special, special person. I've been wanting to get military, ex-military guys on, guys and girls on. Got this dude for a lot of good reasons. What he's known for is something really special. His life and what he's gone through is even more special. And I wanted him to use this platform and I wanted to encourage him to help others, to share his stories just like us athletes, even worse because these guys are risking their lives. I feel that they don't prepare athletes for the real world. Once we're done playing the sport, that's it. Nobody wants anything to do with us. We got to go figure it out. Soldiers, ex-military, even worse, even worse. The setbacks, the mental things, the, the just the getting used to the regular world, I can only imagine how difficult it is, how hard it is for these individuals that risk their lives, men, women, all races, all ethnicities for this country, anybody who risks their life for their country, but especially this country, man, I hope this episode starts a trend of people asking for help, getting help, getting perspective, because these poor people people they 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 give their life for the country and then they come back to the real world and it's like good luck man go figure it out that's not fair that's not fair we got to find a way to change it best way i can create change is by bringing awareness by bringing more guys like this on the on the podcast talking to them hearing their story giving them perspective seeing their positivity seeing what their talents are seeing that there's a life after all the other things that happen so without further delay, on today's episode, I have entrepreneur, 14-year Air Force veteran, special forces, para-rescue man, deployed 21 times, 
served in Afghanistan, Iraq, Africa. Great set of hair. Great dude. Responsible for the most watched American flag in the country, in the internet, by far the man responsible for Joe Rogan's American flag that sat behind him in the old studio in Los Angeles, California. Today's guest, we have none other than he's an artist. He's a man's man. He's a father. He's a husband. He's getting better at life. Guy's accomplished so much, and he's only getting better at life. I got my brother, Josh Van, known as Josh Vandenbrick. Let's go. Here we go. Three, two, one, boom. We're on with my man, Josh. Josh, you know a mistake I make a lot of with this show, with my show is, I feel like a lot of people, like I pretend like a lot of people know about it or know what it's about or know the guests, and I just get right into it. But in your case, you have such a special background, bro. So with you, if you can, I'm going to go a little old school traditional here. Introduce yeah. yourself, where you were born how you got to where you're at right now. Give us a little two-minute bio. Yeah, man. I'm from uh, Colorado originally, Western Slopes, a small town, uh, Montrose. Well, uh, shout out to those four people that live there. Um, grew up there, grew up in San Diego, and uh, joined the military after college. Uh, did the military, was special ops guy for 15 years. Uh, did some time at the CIA. Got out of all that after a fourth knee surgery and, and uh, just too much of it. And uh, started my own business in Salt Lake City. Had a really good run for a handful of years uh, and got sick from some injuries that happened in the military that gave me an opportunity to kind of reset, move out back here to Colorado. And and uh, I started a business here. And then the COVID thing gave me uh, gave me some grief uh, within the construction lane. So actually, it's kind of a blessing, man. It's a really good opportunity to kind of reset. I got into grad school, so I'm starting at Purdue for grad school in a couple months. and. Uh, yeah, so life's been amazing. It's been a, it's been a wild journey. Josh, the the military part, man. The people that I knew that I went to high school with that went to the military were guys that were lost or like delinquents that said, "You know what? I got to go to the military, man." Your situation, how did you land there? Was it parent your parents? Was it you felt that you wanted to the pride? Was it you were lost? How, how did you land in the military? Well, I grew growing up in San Diego. There's a big SEAL influence now that social media is around. I mean, there's a thousand SEALs everywhere you look. But in the 80s, I mean, it was, we had the SEAL movie with Charlie Sheen, and that was all you knew. And so as a little kid, I, I saw that. And it, like literally every Halloween for, for my whole life, I just dressed up like a SEAL. Like, nice. What I always wanted to do is I always had a passion for it. Um, when I became, when I got into high school, I actually, as a young Christian, I decided to surrender the ministry. So I went to college kind of against that plan to, to, cause I want to be a pastor. And, uh, I did that for three years and then, uh, and we can get into it, but I had some hiccups there that kind of disenfranchised me to that idea. And I was like, you know, what? I'm going back to what I had planned. So, uh, three and a half years into college, I, I bailed and went and joined the military. Um, I didn't do the seal thing. I thought I, I thought I wanted to, but in the, in the late nineties, there just wasn't a lot going on as far as offensive operations. So I looked into pararescue and that's what I ended up doing. Uh, I joined the air force in 2000 and uh, 2000 and I was in training when nine 11 happened and 
hopped out of training into the war right after that. But yeah, yeah, a little bit, not, not totally the same lane as a lot of guys that get in, but definitely a, a misguided youth. I mean, I hate to say that's, that's not the military is amazing. I got nothing bad to say. It's such right. a great thing, but. I want to talk about pastor training, bro. Cause that's interesting. Yeah. Pastors allowed to have family women or is that priest explain that, break that down for me. Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, pastors are normal dudes. Um, you're, Within like it's kind of uh, the Protestant versus Catholic paradigm, but uh, priests don't have wives. Um, but I, I honestly don't know a lot about about the Catholic uh, uh, commitment there. But um, but yeah, no, just normal dudes. I mean, typically the expectation is that you're not divorced. You know, if you're leading a church, I mean, it makes sense. You should be able to set the example. And if you have estranged wives and things like that, it's probably not the best example. Not to say you're not a Christian, right? But right, right. It's uh. So that's kind of thing. But yeah, pastors have have families. Josh, your parents, man, what did your parents do? My dad's a computer guy. So uh, it's funny because we he didn't teach us a lot about that as kids. And now I'm like, I'm still kind of, you know, tech, not very tech savvy. But but uh, my dad, my dad's a brilliant guy. Um, actually, when 9-11 happened, he, he moved to D.C. They moved him to D.C. and he kind of rewrote the postal system. Uh, computer systems no way. directly because uh, he was prior military. So we already had background checks and security clearances from Vietnam. And then, uh, so it was really cool. They were able to use them. And my, it's cool. My little brother and sister got to live in DC for a year and homeschool and do all the museums and like a really cool life experience for them right before my dad retired. All that stuff. When you were young, did you play any sports? Yeah, I was a baseball guy. Not like you. I mean, I'm not, I'm not no. that, but, uh, <laughs> what position? I pitched and played third base. Nice, dude. Did you like to hit or you like to pitch better? I like to pitch better, but uh, it's funny. You know, I, I, I threw a lot. I read, I kind of redshirted a little bit in college. Was trying to chase that dream way, way outside my, my skill set for sure. But, uh, but I threw. How hard did you throw? How hard did you throw? What's that? How hard did you throw? Uh, probably 82 is as high as I ever hit. Oh man. That's hard. That's hard to make it throwing 82, bro. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, you know, it is what it is. We all have our, our dreams. And if I was, you know, an older guy could have could have seen that wasn't going to happen. But it was fun. I mean, you know, nothing wrong with staying athletic through those years. No, I, no, did, I might cool. not have made it into the military to do what I did because at least I was an athlete. Absolutely right. Josh, to make it to the military, especially Air Force, you got to have tremendous eyesight, no? It's a – sorry, it depends on the, the posi- uh, what you're doing. Um, so if you're air crew, you, ha- you can't be colorblind. And there are vision requirements above and beyond the, the normal set. But anything special ops related, guys that are not athletic, I mean, they really have a hard time. And, and the sad thing is you see guys come in with a ton of heart and they just keep breaking. It's just so hard on your body. I mean, I'm sure you saw that in sports, guys that yeah. just can't get healthy. And so you see that at same thing. I mean, it's just high level performance uh, requires you know certain genetic gifts. Josh, I saw a picture you posted. I think it was today or yesterday. You leaning against a helicopter with a good flow of hair, man, and so was your boy there in the picture. Are they not making you guys cut your hair anymore? Is that like old school, or what's the story with that? No, no, no. Uh, within the special ops community, they they call it grub-down standards. So it's the idea is that you can blend in. Um, obviously, it's funny, you know, I, I was on a handful of missions in uh, Kabul where, obviously, I mean, look, man, I don't really look Middle Eastern, no matter how much hair or clothes you put on me. <laughs> and then... Uh, and then on top of it in Afghanistan, I'm like a foot taller than most people. Cause I'm, you know, six, two, six, three with boots on and, uh, kids would chase me around 
they chase me around with cell phones, taking videos of me. And I'd be like, get out of here. Dude's brought a mission, you know, <laughs> but from a distance, it hope the theory is that hopefully it, it, it gives you a little, a, a pause of question on their end, whether you're the target and it may give you the edge you need. That you need. Yeah. Was there any point when you joined the military that you were like, Oh my God, what a mistake I made. This thing sucks. Well, did you think about that at any point or were you gun ho the whole way? No, man. I, anybody that says they never had that thought is, is, selling a bill of goods. I mean, but I think, I think that's anything you do in life. You know, it's like you could, I never questioned that I was where I should be. I really enjoyed it. And, and being in pair rescue, you have to do all the shooting, all the jumping, all of the cool guy stuff, but you got to help people too. And I really liked that, you know, and before I went in, it's funny, I was going to do seals. And right before I went in, um, I had already, I had already, uh, been signing up. So it was, it was, New Year's Day, I was out in Glamis, California, off-road. And we grew up riding dirt bikes and stuff. So we're out there dirt biking. And this dude, it's like right before midnight, this dude wrecked an ATV right in front of us. And nobody knew how to help him. And it's like, I'll never forget it. I felt so helpless watching this guy just, just pass away right there in the dirt. And everybody just stood there confused. And I just thought, I will never feel like this again. And so I switched my plan and I went pararescue because I'm like, I want to know how to help that dude next time that ever happens. And so I had my moments, definitely, especially in the pool or when you're getting drowned in training, you're like, why am I here? <laughs> but, How hard was that, dude? How hard was that? Is, was that the hardest part, the drowned in training, or what, what do you think was the hardest part? Typically, for guys, that's the hardest thing. I grew up surfing because I was in San Diego. So what, the water uh, stuff, I was lucky enough to have an advantage there, but I, I'm a terrible runner. So it's funny. We would start the day every day with your run. So like right off the bat, you're doing call it three to six miles, three to 10 miles. And for me, it's funny. Cause like, as soon as the run was over, I'm like, I'll make it through today. And everybody else like, dude, the pool's coming. I'm like, no, the pool's nothing, dude. I, cause you know, I, I'm chasing the pack every run, every single day for years. Did you get chin splints at all or no? Luckily I didn't. I, I oh, stayed really good. healthy. And you know, it's funny. Cause a lot of guys, and, and, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying this is the way to do it, but it's just how it worked out for me. I didn't have a military family. I didn't have military influences like in San Diego when I was uh, getting ready to go in. So I didn't know how to train. And this is all before CrossFit and all this cool guy stuff that that's amazing. It's so such smarter way to do things. So I didn't know how to train. So I literally just would surf. So I'm like, no, I'm training to go special. And I was like, people be like, I think they do more than that. And I'm like, dude, they'll teach me when I get there. But, listen, but all surfers, listen, surfers are all ripped and it's, it's yeah. so hard to surf, man. That's, that's no joke. Totally. And it was such a blessing because one, when I got there, I didn't already hate stuff. Like I barely had done pushups, you know? So like we're doing pushups. I'm like, these are kind of cool. And people are like, dude, I've been doing a thousand a day. I hate this. So mentally they broke themselves before training by already exhausting themselves and, and wearing themselves out. So guys are showing up with shin splints and I just was like blissfully ignorant. I was like, no, nah, I'm, in, and I was in super good shape, you know, but I was like, no, nah, I'm just gonna, like, they had to teach me every exercise. It's like, what's a flutter kick? Like, what's the difference between a crunch and a sit up? And they're like, how are you here? And I'm like, that oh, is I'm like awesome, three dude. miles in the ocean every day, and then I surf. And that is awesome. That is awesome. You talked about the mental part there. Josh, how would they prepare you mentally, man, for, whatever the task was, what was the mental process of that? Um, a lot. I mean, that's really the crux of training. And it's an interesting paradigm because, 
and you can relate to this in, in what you've done, you know, like there's part of things where it's like, I need to see how physically capable you are. But at the same time, I also need to see how you perform against your mental threshold. So it's all well and good that you can train young guys to do CrossFit and that makes them better athletes, but you have to raise the bar because we still need to test their mental capacity. And so I don't know how that's being managed now, but I, I'm curious because that, because we weren't prepared. So it wasn't hard to find my threshold, run a six and a half minute mile, dude. And I'm, I'm crying. Right. But, yeah. but so, so those were the things they would do. And it's, it's interesting. Uh, they really drive the team concept. And I, like I said, man, I was just, I didn't know military. I didn't know, like, I was all in, like they said the word integrity. I was like, Roger that I'll just be that person. Like, I'll, I believed so wholeheartedly, like I bled red, white, and blue. So I remember we had this kid on our team uh, and we were, they, we do hell week back then. So it's like third day of hell week. We're doing this ruck march, it's like a 15 mile march. And I'm care at this point, this kid's wanting to quit. And I just keep grabbing his shirt and I'm dragging him and throwing him forward. And I'm like a 21 year old kid too, you know, but, yes. but I'm like, no, we're a team. And I just kept grabbing him and like dragging him on this run. And then I took his pack off and I put it on my back and uh, the instructors are yelling at me and yelling at me. And he's like half crying. And, uh, and this instructor comes over to me and he goes, sometimes you need to let the trash go. And I was devastated. I was like, what? But we all believe in this concept. And, but so I said, I'd say like, it was an interesting process of like learning maturity um, in that, in that mental capacity. It's not just about being tough. It's about knowing where to, where to apply effort and energy to the best result for the group. And, uh, and sadly I smoked myself and that dude quit like two hours after we finished the March. I was like, Oh, during all that stuff, Josh, were you happy, man? Were you happy in life? Because you don't really have to worry about anything else. Only just whatever the task is day to day. And the reason why I ask you that is it's very similar to being an athlete. Athletes, especially college, pro guys, they get a little different, but college guys, your whole life is mapped out because you have yeah. to add school and athletics. So you know when you're in the gym, you know when you're studying, you know when you're practicing, you know your game schedule, you're traveling, stuff like that. When you're going through that, was there any, like what they call now FOMO with the real world, what your friends are doing? Or were you feeling, man, I'm doing something special. This is so cool. How was your vibe when you were during those times? Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that. So kind of going back to what I was saying as far as my ministry or, or you know, whatever. Um, I, I had such a fervor for God, man. I was so excited to like share Christ and like my faith. And and then this event happened my third year of college. And I don't want to go into the, the nuts and bolts of it. But a guy that I looked up to who was head pastor of our church had an affair and it was an affair with people that were very close to me and they were also very young and it was just an awful, awful experience. And when I left the church to join the military, I didn't just leave the church. I didn't just bail softly. Like I told God, I hate you. This is all your fault. And, and I was like, I'm doing this on my own. I kind of felt like my foundation in life had been taken. And I was like, I'm going to build a foundation that I'm building and that's going to be solid because I can rely on me and no one else. And at the time, it was a great defense mechanism since I didn't have a mentor to help me through that. But it created the last 20 years of my life was really rough um, because I, I I lacked that relationship with God. And But I got to training and I, I'll never forget this. And at the time, it was up until recently, it was a point of pride. But I remember being in training and they were smoking us and uh, they, they had gotten on me about something. And it was the end of the day and they're like, you're not leaving. And there was a creek, like a little, little, you know, a little river or whatever. 
about a half mile from the school. And they would just, they'd tell me to go to the river, get myself in it, get covered in mud and come back. And I did this for three or four hours and they go, Oh my God. Yeah. And, and this is at the end of a long week, man. And, and they go, and he goes, go to the river. He goes, go to the river and you better get enough moth and grass off the bottom of that river to impress me. And I was so full of anger, man. I was so full of hate that I went there and I got one little tiny blade of grass and I ran back with it. And I get back and he's like, where's the, where's the grass? And I go, it's right here. And he, and he goes, and, and he goes, I can't believe you. And this other instructor is like, he goes, is he an idiot? And he goes, no, he's so full of hatred. We're wasting our time. And I really was, man. I hated everything. And all I wanted to do is prove that I could do it without anyone's help. And uh, he said, it was a point of pride. Like, look how tough I was all through my twenties and even my thirties. And, and uh, not to deviate your show too much, but like, I, I, I honestly came back to Christ in the last couple of months and it's changed my life. Like he's taken away so much hatred and so much disappointment and anger. And I look back on those years now and I'm like, what a tragedy that my fuel in life was hatred and anger and, and a desire to prove that I could do better than everybody else. And, and so I chased that in special ops, you know, I did special ops for 15 years. And so it's like, if I can just be a pararescue bin, I'll be happy. And then I became a pararescue bin. It's like, well, I'm not happy. If I can just become a jump master, or I can just outperform my peers or I can just get the next rank. I'll be happy. And I just created this pattern of always being discontent with where I was. That's why I went to the CIA and, uh, and did that for, for six years. And it's like, if I can get there, then I'll be happy. And, and I think a lot of people do that in life. And I was probably the champion of that, that mis, misapplied energy, you know, Josh, what do you think you were unhappy at, man? I don't know. I think it's the same thing that haunts all of us a little bit. You know, I think, uh, it's, I think, well, honestly, from my perspective, dude, I think it's, it's lacking a relationship with God. Um, I feel like having the Holy Spirit in my life again is like, is this massive thing? And I don't think he ever left me. I look back at my life, how blessed I've been. I've been lucky and successful everywhere I've been in life. And it just hasn't been, can, I haven't been content. I think it's probably an issue of uh, probably, probably, probably if I had to guess and, and probably if you have any audience, that's like a shrink. They probably think I'm crazy, but no, I was trying to fix me by applying achievement. And if I could just be achieve enough, I could like me. And then if I could like me, you can like me. And I could never fill that up. I could never do enough. And like even like when I got through training, it's like it was so hard. And I want to quit so many times. And at the end of it, I was like, it wasn't that hard. Like it just it never would. Like I couldn't take a big enough beating. And even in combat, I kept thinking, you know, if I see combat, I'll, I'll do enough to be to validate myself. And I did 21 combat tours over my career. I did over 2,000 missions and I did everything you I could hope to do. And then at the end of it, I was like, still not enough. You know, oh, we, we took down a vehicle from a helicopter and took a dude. That's the, that's awesome. Yeah. But, but I didn't skydive into it. Like it's always that it's never, and I'm sure you got you as an athlete, you probably encountered very similar things. Maybe dude, me, me is different because I was always in survival mode and I was always losing at life so much that I was the reverse of that. I felt that how I was able to escape my thing was motivating and making other people feel good. I felt that if other people could feel good, I would, it would, it got me off me and getting my ass kicked by my dad from probably the age because of baseball, because of three to like senior year high school, pretty much it, it was so hard 
for me to be happy unless I was in my head because I didn't have a TV in my room. I couldn't escape anywhere. He had me with him 24-7. Everything was baseball, baseball, baseball. And what I found, Josh, was I go, nobody helped me out. Not even my mom. My mom saw what this dude was doing to me. I'd come home with bruises, the shit beat out of me, and nobody did anything. But I said to myself, I go, one day when I'm old enough, when I can stop this, I'm going to change and I'm going to put it to somebody else. But my thing that I had the most that hurt me in my development and maybe like a, you had with the hatred, my thing was identity issues. So I would be the kind of guy that somebody else had something cool because I felt like I didn't have anything cool going on. I would imitate that person. And then I would lie about my background because my background sucked. I don't want to tell anybody that I didn't have anything and get my ass kicked. I'm, I'm peeing in my bed till I'm the age of 15. And that's because of reverse trauma from your dad beating the shit out of you. You know, and, and we didn't yeah. talk about that back then or anything. So my whole claim to fame was baseball. But baseball was, was causing so much abuse on me. So those were the things that I started to, that I started to apply. But if you ask me that question now when you apply it to the world that I'm in now, You have to have, just like you, man, you don't understand how hard it is. Maybe you forgot how hard it is to be in the military, how hard it is to be in the CIA, how extremely, extremely talented you have to be test-wise, character-wise. These are things that the elite, 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 elite people do. And once you start understanding that, which is what I tell people, because it looks, everything looks easy. I can watch you jump out of a, of a helicopter land and go, oh, it looks super easy. Okay, cool. Just do that by itself. Now we're going to add equipment. <laughs> Now we're going to add wind and nature. Now we're going to add people shooting at you. Now we're going to have all these things. But we don't talk about that because, and I want to get your opinion on this. It's almost like it's an everybody else's situation looks easier and people want to make their situation harder. But, oh, that guy, because that makes them feel better. Do you think any of that's true? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. And yeah, it's, it's an interesting paradigm to, to kind of view it through, you know, and, and I know for me, and it's funny, I was thinking about this the other day that for some reason, some part of me, like if, like if there's a short end of the stick, I want it for some reason, like, like it justified, like, I think it justified my anger by having something to struggle against. And so it's probably why I was never content. You know, it's like, I had a great career in the military. I should have just embraced it, you know, and handed down wisdom to younger guys. But it's like, I was so busy chasing that I never, you know, I never took the time to, to actually enjoy what I was doing. You know? Josh, and what you said there was so true because, but this is the funny part, man. Your 20s, let's say you're chasing to be, who's the most, now let's talk about this for a second, in movies, is Rambo the most successful military guy of all time? Who's the most successful portrayed military character, in your opinion? Who Successful how? Box office? I'd say it's No, Rambo. not box office. Just like, oh, that guy's a badass. Like, who's the man? Um, you know, I... Well, it's, it's interesting. It's, uh, you know, I have trouble watching a lot of those movies. There's the movie I really enjoy. So I don't, I don't know how to answer that, but I'll answer it this way. I really enjoy 13 hours. And uh, I worked in that industry. I worked with those, those people. And, 
they capture the experience very effectively. The the shenanigans, you know, the the wisecracks, the lack of bearing at times, like all of it's very, very genuine. Um, if you want to look at somebody who actually knows how to handle a gun, look at Keanu Reeves. Like that guy. Oh, actually, that's sick. No, yeah, yeah, that John Wick stuff's out of control, yeah. bro. His technical advisory on John Wick sets him apart. And then there's another one with uh, Tom Cruise. I think it's Collateral. He gets driven around by a taxi guy. Hell yeah, that's uh, there's really good weapons handling in that, but uh, but yeah, the Rambo stuff's always pretty preposterous. <laughs> so, so you call bullshit on all Hollywood, all Hollywood war movies, you're like, nah, that's not it's so ridiculous. You think about the paradigm or the, the concept of like uh, Jason Bourne. I think if our entire country, like 330 million people, were sitting here safe right now, and the government's like, we could handle this with some you know, UAVs or an entire team or an assault force, we're gonna send one dude. And we're going to hope that dude doesn't get T-boned by a mom who's texting on his way to the target. Like, you know, you would never set yourself up for such a simple point of failure tactically. And so those movies just, they're, they're fun, but they're, they're pretty, they're pretty, you know, ridiculous. Pretty out there, huh? Yeah. When, when you look at now, I know what I was going to tell you is your twenties of you, let's say fighting because you're angry to be number one. My 20s of me with identity issues, I wasn't, imagine, you were fighting in, I think, Afghanistan. Where else were you? Afghanistan, Iraq, and I did some time in, in the Horn of Africa. Okay. I'm fighting in Hollywood, okay, in Los Angeles. <laughs> I'm in the mountains <laughs> of Los Angeles, sleeping, no in, <laughs> sleeping in a 2006 Toyota Corolla, okay? Was it a, yeah, Toyota Corolla. No, there, was no, there was no social media. I would escape in my head. I would shower and shave at the Equinox in West Hollywood. I would sneak in there and, and use the restrooms, all stuff there. The crazy thing is, had I not gone through that and made the mistakes that I made there, all mistakes of, I never drank alcohol in my life, so it wasn't like I was doing, like I was overly drinking because I never drank in my life. I was doing drugs. So I've never done drugs, but I was lying to people because I felt I never fit in because I was hanging out because of my charisma and the way my positivity and the way I flow, I was hanging out with extremely successful people, Josh, but I felt I didn't have a cool story. Like, let's say you did that. You're like, Oh, I'm an ex military guy. And everybody's like, Oh, wow. I, I lied to people. I used to tell them I played for the Yankees and I got injured and I did all these things. And then I was accepted. And then what happened? Some, the minute somebody Googled me, there I went. Now I'm a fraud. And it took that in those 20s to then become a man when I turned 31 and I moved to Vegas to be able to now understand the blessings that I had in life and how to really accept me. I don't know if the military does this. That's why I want to ask you. In sports, they prepare you zero for other than the sport itself, but the coaches, the schools, whatever you're doing, prepare you zero to be a civilian and do anything in the real world. In the military world, do they help you at all with that? No, no. And it's really tragic, man. So like kind of to your point earlier, I remember coming back like towards the end of my career, I'd come home and to a point you kind of like you're saying about like, being in sport, like you get institutionalized. Like people can say deployment's hard and 90% of people that deploy don't do, and I'm not taking anything away from God bless them and thank you for their service, but like they don't go out on mission. Only about probably three to one to three percent of the force actually ever leaves the base. The rest, I mean, like I said, God bless them, but they're having taco night. They have like salsa dancing. Like they build a community there 
And for us, we lived in like secret, like, you know, within the base, there's also sub bases and sub bases inside those were controlled areas. And you drill that in deep enough and we're just in there by ourselves going out all the time. And there's, you know, it had its complications, but it also, you don't have rent. You don't have to balance your budget. Like you don't have to worry about what you're going to wear tomorrow. Cause you're going to wear the same thing you wore today. Like you don't have to worry about feeding yourself. Cause you're going to walk to that building where you just grab a tray and put food on it. And it kind of creates a, an institutionalized mindset where I didn't get life skills. And to kind of your point about, you know, saying you play for the Yankees. When I, I tried to go, I tried to get out of the military around 2011. And uh, I tried to get into college. I was like, well, I'll start doing school because I, I didn't finish school yet. I literally wore my uniform to school the first day. I was so nervous to go to junior college because I had no identity. I was only that. I was an operator. And if you took that away from me, I was like, well, who am I? Who is this guy? I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. I don't have uh, direction. So I literally wore my uniform to class because I'm like, screw wow. that. You're going to know who I am. And it's like, how pathetic. It's not like, like I put it on to go to class. I didn't even, I didn't, I was like, oh, I just came from work. No big deal. Total, total bullshit. And I just was so insecure and they never taught me. The military never took the time or the consideration to worry about like where I was at. And so you look at these suicide statistics, which again, not picking, but the 22 a day is very inaccurate. Uh, it's a, that's substantially constructed number, but, but it doesn't change the fact that guys are getting out and they're so lost that they are taking their lives. And I've had a few friends that it's unfortunately happened to, but, but it's that, that's the reason, man. It's probably like a ball player. Like if you're work your whole life to this identity and then it, it goes away and you're like, well, what's left? What did I do all this for? And I don't know. That's why my family's so important to me now, man. I have an amazing wife who's just so is such an amazing woman. It's like, that's my team. I had two beautiful kids. And so it's kind of cheesy, man. I, and I'll show you this if you can see it. Like I write this on my hand every morning when I do my Bible study, dude, it says RYT and it's remember your truth. And the reason I do it is because there's so much noise, especially nowadays with social media. And I can flip through like you know, social media and see like a boat. I'm like, Oh, I want that boat. And then I switch to the next picture. I'm like, Oh, I want that girl. Let's switch to the next picture. Oh, that's a cool car. And we don't know what we want and we don't have. And I wish if somebody, if I could talk to 20 year old me, I would explain this to him and say, learn your truth and then stick to it and live your life by it. So for me, my truth is I believe in God and I want to serve him with my life and relationships. I love my wife and kids. And I want to I want to serve my family, you know, and, and be a member of my community. And those may be generic. But right now where my life is, I'm at the point where they are generic. But if I was 20 or 18 and I want to be a ball player, it's like, cool, I want to be a ball player. Cool. That's your truth. No one can change that. It's not predicated on someone else's facts. It is your personal truth that that is your goal. And now you have something to live against. And that's why you, know, you get out of the military, you get out of sports like, I never knew to identify what my new truth was. Like, who am I now today? And how do I live my life in accordance with that, with that value? So that's kind of, kind of makes sense, dude. No, that, that, that makes a ton of sense because, and another thing they don't teach you is they don't teach you how to be in relationships, man, with women. No, they don't teach you how to be uh, married or they don't teach that. They, they don't talk about it. It's, it's zero. It's go figure out yourself. And my biggest thing with, with, Kids in high school with kids in uh, in college that are trying now. Because remember, at least when we were young, college was the answer. Now college is a problem for a lot of people. And so it's, there's, a, there's a lot of 
not understanding of how awesome, incredible technology is. There's ways to deal with it and look at it. And we got to talk. That's why guys like you who are so successful on paper and now with your heart and stuff are so important to society, Josh, because because of your background and your personality and the way you maneuver and the way you present yourself, people are going to look up to you. You don't know that a lot because you don't put yourself in that realm. But I know that because I see people's winning characteristics, you know, and there's not going to be too long from now that you're going to be put in a position like that where you can share stuff, especially with ex-military people, because let's get to this part. You came, I think, right out of the military. And this is where I, I have always, when I became me, which is Coach HP, I was very successful in Las Vegas. I lived the life in Las Vegas. Las Vegas, to me, I became a man. I became financially successful. I really found who I was. And for the first time in my life, I was, I was able that when somebody asked me what I do, I would smile and be so happy to share with it because I was like, yeah, I'm the director of customer development for Hyde and the Bellagio in Las Vegas. And I live at the Aria Hotel. Like I, that made me so happy to be able to say that, not in a bragging way, but in a way of like, Finally, my, my inside and my feeling of good match what I'm doing. When I became Coach HP, the number one thing that I wanted to do was help kids and help parents understand how to reach a goal and how to build relationships with each other. That's what I really cared about, man. When you're at where you're at right now, you do your first business. Your first business out of the military was what? It was Iron Mountain Designs. In Salt Lake. What was it? It was Iron Mountain Designs. Okay. What was that? So what I did was, and, it, and it's exactly your point, man. I got out and uh, I actually, my last deployment, I blew my ACL out on a mission. And uh, I just rolled it on a rock. Nothing sexy about it. I got off a helicopter onto a rock and and blew my ACL. So I finished out my my career uh, overseas. It was, it was right, actually right before Christmas. So I, I begged them to let me stay because they wanted to bring somebody else in. And I was like, I'll let the other guys do the cool stuff. Just let me not get someone drug out of their Christmas a week before Christmas or whatever. So I stayed in country, scheduled uh, an evaluation and surgery. So right when I got back, I had ACL reconstruction, convalesced for six months. But the whole time, I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, luckily, I grew up in a construction family. So like I was on job sites from time I was a little kid. And so I was like, well, I know that, you know, and I knew all my buddies were teaching shooting, but I. I burned out so hard on the military. And when I blew my ACL and I knew I didn't want to come back, I literally gave away my gear and country. Like, cause even being a soft guy, you get really nice stuff. So I was like, here dudes, take it. I'm not coming back. Like you can have it. And, uh, but I didn't identify yet who I was going to be. And there was no one really there to, to help that process. So after I convalesced, I was like, shoot, you know, I, so I worked with the guys at black rifle coffee uh, Evan and those dudes for a little bit and it just didn't fit me. So I was like, well, that doesn't work. What, it, what does work? And what were you doing there with them? It was right when Evan came up with the concept. So he had just launched it and, uh, he's a, he's a phenomenal dude, really brilliant guy. And, uh, so I was kind of helping, but I, my wife got pregnant right then. So like I'm out of a job. I just had reconstructed on my knee. I don't know what I'm going to do. And now my wife's pregnant. And, uh, and to your, and, and to your point about relationships, coming back from these deployments for her was really hard. Like funny you mentioned Vegas. We, I came back and we already had tickets to Vegas or to go to Vegas on that last trip. 
So I was like, well, let's go to Vegas right before I get surgery. And then I'm down. And uh, we were in a hotel on our, on the drive out to Vegas and the door slammed in the hotel. It's hard, dude. Sorry. It kind of chokes me up a little bit, but the door slammed, dude. And I hit the ground crying, man. And, and it's like, my wife didn't know how to deal with that. My wife's an amazing woman. She's a Blackhawk pilot, like tons of experience, but no one tells you, what do you do with your husband when he curls up on the ground? Cause the door slams. Damn, you know? bro. Yeah, that, see, that, that's the thing. That's why I love that you're sharing that man. And you're passionate about that because military guys, sports guys, sports guys from Cuban dads and this machismo thing. It's like, Oh man, that's what are you doing, bro? It's a little door. But to you, who knows what you thought that was? Who knows? And you talking about that now, some dude is gonna see this that's 22 years old and go, Man, I feel the same way. But I heard a firecracker. It was July. It's, it's so, so crazy, man. So crazy. So I yeah. love that you brought that up, man. First of all, what hotel were you in? Uh, it was actually in Grand Junction, Colorado. We were heading out there. And- okay. So we weren't quite to Vegas yet, and she had to put me back together on our way to, you know, this trip. And How long did it take you to recover from that? She held me. She, she's dude. She's so great, man. She just held me for a while, and just talked me through it and told me it's gonna be okay. But one of the interesting things is, it's the you would think, and it took me a while to process that this, but you would think that the slam sounded like a gunshot or something, right? It's not the case. When we make entry, we kick doors. And so it's the sound of starting a fight is a door flying open or smashing open or so it's actually the exact sound like it's that close. And so it just I have a weird reaction to it. I'm sure most a lot of guys do. But uh, but she did. She, she got me through it. But I didn't really deal with the damage, man, until honestly, a few months ago. I just thought like, ah, that was weird. Shake it off. No big deal. It's, hey, doors slam. Don't be don't be a wimp about it. And yeah. and I didn't like. Like I said, man, I, I I had a lot of hatred in my heart, and I I, did, I ran my family pretty dry and emotionally just because I wasn't dealing with my own baggage. And when I had to shut down my company, so I went right from so kind of back to my store. I went right from the military, convalesced, jumped on with the guys at Black Rifle. I didn't really fit that mold. Found a construction job, started doing construction. I was like, well, this can't be it. I've got a baby on the way and a wife to take care of, and. So I, I was like, well, I'm good. At, I'm a good welder and fabricator just from hobby and from growing up building like race trucks with my family. And I was like, I will do this. So I just jumped in. And then this flag behind me that you see, um, same one. I actually did Joe Rogan's flag. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. Don't give that yet. No, no. We got to tease that. We're not going to go yet. Well, hold on. Hold on. This is making steel stuff, steel art. And I just been blessed, man. It's been like, I mean, I think, you know, what is that? Uh, Luck, luck favors the prepared or something like that. All day. Because the reason why I want to get to that is I prayed to God. I go, God, please, man, give me success. Not so I could be wealthy, but so that people can look at me. And if I tell them something, they could at least be like 50-50. This guy's telling me something that can help me or is going to guide me or something like that. That's all I've ever wanted in my whole life because my dad was the reverse. My dad had such good advice, such good things to tell people, but his delivery was horrible. And he was a blue collar Pepsi worker that you're not going to take life. You're not going to take life uh, advice on a guy that doesn't look like he's successful. So I just wanted myself to have something, just any notch on my thing. So people go like, 
wait a minute, if this guy's saying this, okay, let me not hit my kid. Let me not scream at him. Let me not fight with my parents. Let me not do all, all these things. The reason why you're so important is anybody in your world now, in your world, can go through all the everything you went through, right? But nobody, it's so hard now, you're entering a special realm where you start your own company doing the flag stuff, and that just completely blows up, okay? Now people are going to want to listen to you. Because you, how and this is how it works in the world. You have athletes. Okay, cool. We all played maybe Division One. Maybe you played minor leagues, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But when you become Nolan Arenado, now people listen to you. Well, in your world, when you started the company and you started doing the flags, flag number 11 made you the Nolan Arenado of what you do. So you start doing these flag things, right? Talk to me about flag number 11, that whole process. Go for it. Yes, yeah, so check it out. So I started Iron Mountain and I didn't know what we were going to do. And actually the guys at Black Rifle, Evan specifically, they had a big warehouse and, and he's like, dude, if you want to set up shop in the corner of our warehouse, we're going to let you. So I probably spent a couple of weeks, you know, squaring everything. So I'm like, I don't really know what I'm going to do, but if I drag out setting this up, I'll figure it out. And I had a cheesy, just cloth flag in the shop and uh, that I bought at Walmart, like just a little fold up one. So it's got all the creases right out of the package and they were making fun of it. And I was exploring patinas and different ways to like etch metals. And just cause I, I nerd pretty hard on that. And I was like, I bet I could do that with a flag. So I took my first piece of steel and I made a flag for my shop and everybody liked it. You know, they were like raving about it. And they're like, that's really cool. And I was like, well, maybe I found my thing. And Evan uh, was like, dude, well, we could put them on the black rifle website. And, and again, this is like when they were, you know, really just starting out and uh, we put it up, we sold, I think seven flags and, uh, or actually, I'm sorry, let me back up before we did that. I was like, dude, I was kind of just drinking beers and not really paying attention. I, I did on like a Friday night. I wasn't thinking it'd be a thing. So I didn't really know the steps. It was just kind of like, try this. I didn't work. Try this. So I was like, let me make a handful of them and just make sure I know what I'm doing. And he's like, okay. So I spent a weekend and I made like four or five flags, whatever it was. And they came out cool. Like I was like, okay, dude, do it. I know how to do this. And he put it on the website. I sold like seven of them. And the next week I'm in the shop and like those guys is great. Those guys would come out and just like when they needed a break from the computer, they come just hang out and we'd bull crap for a little bit. And I'm telling a story and my wife happened to be there that day dropping off lunch, just amazing timing, you know? And that's why I say I've been blessed my whole life, but she, uh, she was dropping off lunch and she was in the office uh, saying hi to everybody. And I'm telling the story and everybody just gets like ghost look on their face. And I was like, I literally go, what's up? Like, what are you, why are you looking at me like that? And they go, dude, they're like, are you, are you okay? And I go, I'm fine. At least that's what I thought I was doing. Right. But I was just like, I guess I was just going, blah, like I, I wasn't making any words and they freaked out. They like had me sit down and I was like, the whole time I'm being like, get off of me. What is wrong with you dudes? And they yelled for my wife and she came out and uh, she looked at me and she goes, are you okay? And I go, baby, I'm okay. And she goes, call 911. And that's the last thing I remember for a week. And uh, they ruled out a stroke and they basically concluded that due to six or seven major TBIs from being too close to things blowing up. Um, they, they don't know why it happened. I've had a handful of them since then, but Josh, what, what are TBIs? Uh, traumatic brain injury. Wow. Just the overpressure 
from explosions and kinetic breaching and things like this. Um, I was never in a rollover or hit by an IED or anything like that, but, but just a lot of, of too much, too much, too many big guns, too many big things, you know? Um, and, and so I couldn't remember how to make them and I owed seven people and I wasn't charging anything for them. I, you know, I was brand new in business. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I couldn't make the flags and, but I just stuck to it. I spent three months. That was, I think I had my seizure February, middle of February. And I just stayed at it. I made 50 horrible looking, not correct flex. I couldn't remember how to do it. And uh, so I made all these flags and these people were like, just give me my money back. And uh, ironically, because people were really great. Ironically, the only dude who demanded his money back was my buddy. And uh, he maybe needed it more, but, but uh, I was finally able to get, figured it out and I shipped everybody's flags right before the 4th of July. And uh, which was such a huge deadline for me because I put it in my head, like, when is, when is a flag too late? And it's like July 5th is when a flag is too late. Yes. So I made those flags, but it was so taxing on me. And like I said, I made like 50 flags. So I probably grossed off those seven sales or grossed off the seven sales, maybe two grand. I was probably five grand into trying. And uh, so when they finally shipped, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Sold a couple more just because people that watched me suffer for these months. And, and meanwhile, I'm going in and out of the hospital three times a week. They're trying to figure out neuro testing and oh, seizure testing and everything they can do. And they just keep telling me we don't know. But uh, ultimately, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I, I sold the seven. I sold like three more because people asked when I was doing this. And I was like, I'm done. Didn't have a website up or anything. And uh, I'm sitting at breakfast on a Sunday morning with my buddy. And he's like, and he was trying to help me set up my social media because at the time I didn't really know how it worked. And he goes, Hey man, Joe Rogan's reaching out to you. And I go, you dummy. It's the internet. It's not Joe Rogan. He's cat. You're getting catfished. And he goes, well, he has 1.8 million followers. And I was like, and I grabbed my phone. I was like, no, nah, dude, you can't talk to him. I'm going to talk to him. But, uh, but he bought, he's like, I love your work and I want a flag. And I was like, okay, let me figure out how I even take money. Like, so and let's talk. Let's talk about that flag number eleven. Okay, what what are the dimensions of that flag? Like, what are the sizes that you made from? What are what are we looking yeah, at? It's actually, same size. This so it's a four foot by seven foot. Four foot by seven foot. Yeah. Okay. So how how long does it take you to make that? They they take about twenty hours. Twenty if hours. You, if I do ten of them, if I do ten of them, I can do ten in a week. If I like, that's a it's a solid week though, and actually. Now that I'm doing, I'm actually doing better. It's funny. I reached out to Rogan because uh, I've, I've done about 600 of them now. So like I said, I've been very fortunate. Yeah, Hell yeah, you have, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So I, now it's funny. I reached out to him and I was like, hey, bro, like I actually make way cooler flags now. I'd love to just replace your flag. And he texted me back. He's like, no way, dude. He's like, I love this flag. I don't, I don't have no interest in seeing anything, getting anything else, but. But he was just great, man, and, and he cultivated a lot of opportunities for me. And it, it's been a great calling card because everybody knows who he is. And um, and and I always tell people he was he is as cool as he seems on the show. Like I I was actually afraid to talk to him because I was like I was on a movie a lot like back in 05. I helped out as a military technical advisor, and uh, it was flags of our fathers. So it's like you had uh, uh, Barry Pepper. Uh, the dude from Fast and the Furious that passed away. I, I hate that I can't remember his name. He was really cool. Uh, Paul Walker. Awesome dude. Really yes, cool guy. Yes. And then there was this guy, Ryan Felipe, which I don't even know if he's anything anymore, but he, I liked him because he was in Way of the Gun. 
And uh, he was the biggest jerk. And I was like, dude, you ruined one of my favorite movies by me. <laughs> Wasn't that, isn't that a Reese Witherspoon's ex-husband? Yeah. And it's funny because this is before the internet, dude, but I watched him making out with all these girls. I'm like, I wish I knew how to get a hold of Reese Witherspoon. I'd tell her right now. But uh, <laughs> That sucks, but, man. Oh. Yeah, but like, so it's funny. Um, fast forward to Joe Rogan. I was like, dude, I, we listened to his show in the shop every day. Me and like the couple employees I had. And we actually landed some big contracts as he found me and um, doing like restaurant work and big, big feature pieces and art pieces. But uh, so we'd listen to him every day. And I'm like, dude, if what if we meet him and he turns out to not be that cool and it's just a big charade and, but not at all, man, that dude is as cool as you can get. So he's been really, he's been really awesome to me. I mean, not that I know him, I'm not trying to say that, but my interactions with him have been really, really enjoyable. 1000%. You have the most famous, the most viewed American flag in, I would say in the last probably five years or so, no flag on the internet has more views than yours, man. That's something yeah, man. you should be proud of, man. That's very, very, that is, and you weren't even as talented, as uh, good of a human being that you are now. So yeah. that's something you got every day you wake up and you read what you wrote there. Then you got to write there next to it. I built, created the most popular flag in the greatest country in the history of the world. That's you. How does that make you feel, bro? Dude, it's super humbling, man. And it's been amazing. And, uh, and, and it's been a cool ride, dude. And, and that's like, and to your point earlier about like kind of reaching a station in life, um, reaching a station in life where people will listen, you know what I mean? And so after the Rogan thing happened, I didn't, and I was totally winging it, but I thought I should get some word out about what I'm doing. So I hired a PR lady and it's funny enough. She's really, really a cool lady, but she's like, I don't really do that kind of PR. I do like construction PR. And that's how I found her. And I was like, well, can you just try? And she ended up getting me uh, on Fox and friends. So if you Google uh, me on Fox and friends, there's like, they did a thing on me and, and we killed it. That's where we did. We did 300 flag sales in three weeks. And, uh, but, but again, just kind of fumbling my way through it, but, but it, it, we kind of were able to cultivate, you know, a lot of growth out of that. And then people saw it. So I would spend an hour of my day, almost every day at work, talking to veterans about how to get out of the military, what you can do. Here's some ideas and trying to help shoot down ideas that, that I thought were, you know, that were, that weren't necessarily like really just trying to help, you know, based on what right. I learned and what I knew. And I, honestly, like, that's the biggest joy I've, I had probably in my life up until like as of recently and just kind of getting my, my heart right and kind of getting my mind right. But, but like, it was really amazing. And then uh, when I got sick and so when I had for, because of the seizures, I also took some, some skeletal damage. And so the last year I was in business, I my I have two discs in my neck that just went haywire and my right arm stopped working. I literally, like I gave my last like three briefings, like my last three pitches in business like this, I go in in a suit and I'm like, I can't put my arm down. So if it goes, I put it down the, you know, the 30 milligrams of Oxycontin I'm on trying to give this briefing won't work anymore. Right. And uh, I just didn't have the head to run my business effectively and tragically, tra like sadly I had to shut it down. And with that left that, like I stopped getting calls and it's funny, like, and, and it's just life. And I, you know, I love, you know, I'll love or whatever, but people started calling me to give me advice. And it just was a real hard emotional hit to go from being 
a guy that helps people to a guy that's kind of a charity case in a weird way. And it, and it impacted me pretty heavily. And, and it impacted my wife and my family the worst, man. I started drinking a lot, you know, and, and I'm, you know, if I could relate to anybody out there, it's like, I wasn't the get drunk drinker. I'm not the get drunk drinker. I'm the four beers a night, every single night, not really present, kind of paying attention to how my wife's day went, but not really because I'm too busy just kind of being in my own head, thinking about my, you know, my own stuff. And, and I man, it's, I'm embarrassed by it. I'm embarrassed that I let that become who I, who I was, that became my coping and my wife paid the price and my kids, you know, again, no, no abuse, no, nothing weird, but like, I don't know. It's dude. hard, bro. It's just as hard, man, because there's hard. nobody, you can't call a hotline. You can't phone a friend. You can't, you know, it's, it's, you sit there and at you, you, what do you do? You have one call with a friend and then that guy's living his own life and then yeah. you're stuck there by yourself and then you don't know how to cope and you're, your kids are living their life and they need you and your wife's doing her thing. And you're sitting there and you're like, damn, dude, how do I, you know? And, and I get yeah. it, dude. I totally, yeah. totally get it. I totally yeah. get it. My wife didn't work through our two kids. So I have a three-year-old and a four-year-old and she didn't work. And I was so proud that I could provide for my family. And then when we had to shut down the company and, and luckily they didn't end up doing surgery on my neck, they still might, but I didn't, I couldn't support my family. Right. So we moved to Colorado. So my wife could go back into the military, which was just like, the biggest hit for a guy like me, like, wow, what a failure that I, my wife has to pay my rent. My wife has to pay our mortgage. Right, like, right, right. Hey babe, can I borrow some gas? And I'm like, it just killed me as a man that I was no longer the head of my family. And that hatred for myself on top of what I already was discontent with made me miserable, man. It made me miserable to be around. It made me insecure to be around my wife. Here's this beautiful, intelligent woman who's now the success in the lifeline of our family and I didn't manage it well. You know, I didn't, I, I, if this is what I tell myself, I could grab myself three years ago, I would shake myself and be like, spend five minutes tonight and think of nothing else. Turn your damn phone off and just look at her and listen to her, you know, give her, give her the attention that woman deserves, but I couldn't cause I, I hated myself, you know? And, and that's an amazing thing. So like, I kind of got my, I, you know, I, I got my relationship with Christ back, you know, a couple you know, month, couple months now, but like, dude, my wife's beautiful, dude. I forgot that. Like I forgot my wife has gorgeous green eyes, man. And a beautiful smile. And like, she says the most hilarious and intelligent stuff. And for a couple of years, man, I just couldn't hear it. Cause I was so. In yeah. your head, dude, you're in your head. You're in your thing. You're in your world. You showed their tattoos. What was your first tattoo? Uh, I got my first tattoo in Key West at uh, army dive school. Back What'd in. You get? What'd you get? As some goofy little shark. What was the last one you got? Um, you remember? Yeah, it's this one. So it's it's XX. Um, my buddy Nick got killed in 2013, and it, that was a real, real hard one for me. We were he was just an awesome human being, and and we were best buddies. And uh, his call his so my op initials are Victor Kilo, so VK for my last name. And he's he was McCaskill his were always taken and when he got to a team so if you're a junior guy and a guy already has your your letters you got to pick new ones and every team he went to that happened so he's like I'm just gonna be x-ray x-ray and so his call sign became Dos Equis oh uh, nice Dos Equis look at that so so yeah I got I got uh his his operating initials tattooed on me he's probably the last I think that's the last tattoo I've gotten are you getting it are you gonna do the other arm or you just that's it or one arm clean one arm no it's funny I say I'm gonna they hurt, bro. <laughs> well, I love that you said that. I, I forgot. I, 
I forgot every time when when the thing hits me, every single time, it's like <laughs> you sit there and when that thing goes, you're like, dude, I forgot how much this hurt. And God forbid, if I had I have this saying, the Robert Frost quote on the side here. Oh my God, that's the side of my stomach. That hurts so on the oblique. That hurts so much. Oh my I, God. Why did I pick so many words? It was like, <laughs> are you going to get more, you think, or no? Um, I've all, I have a naked lady on my arm. And I'm, I'm my buddy, he's an amazing tattoo artist down in Tucson. He already, I was like, hey, bro, like, I don't think this is the example I want to set in my life. And I have a daughter, you know? And that's what I think about the most. Like, the man I am today, it's all about, like, who's their dad going to be? Right, and, uh, right. and that, that comes back to my truth. Right. But I'm like, dude, I shouldn't have a naked lady. I'm arm. I don't want that to be one of the things I thought, like I've realized, like I've been reading a lot about children of alcoholics and because it's kind of touches home for me with my family and like, and like you read about it, it's like people think booze is like party. And it's like, dude, booze is actually a super toxic thing in family. And so I've been reading a lot about like, what things do we take for granted in our lives that we think are just normal because everybody's doing it that are actually super destructive to to your kids? And, and so I just think in terms of being an example. So I sent a picture of it to my buddy and he did it originally. And I was like, can, can you put a dress on this girl? So he actually drew up a, a dress. So I'm going to go nice. down, at least get a dress put on her. Cause I, and it's maybe silly and I don't think it's the end of the world. You know, it's just a tattoo, but at the same time, if I can be a better example to my kids, dude, every turn, of course, dude. And it's funny you said that because I never knew I was the son of an alcoholic. I didn't. Until I got way, way, way later in life. The beauty of that is I've never drank in my life at all. I don't know what alcohol tastes like. Unless I kissed women when they had alcohol in their breath, that's it. I've never had a drink. I've never had a beer. Nothing. Nothing. And my, my dad, just like what you explained, man, every single day, but after he get home, for, get home from practice or whatever, it'd be the four, three or four beers to that. But where I really saw it a lot was on the weekends and at parties, he played a lot of dominoes. You know, Cuban, we play a lot of dominoes. And he played dominoes for five, four, six hours sometimes. And the beers just kept adding up. And man, if I can't tell you how many house parties we got kicked out of as a little kid, because I remember my and by family members, because my dad would just lose his mind, you know, and he'd get violent and they'd just kick him out and we would just leave. And you don't understand that, you know? And as a kid of that, and as a person that looks at the positive stuff, Josh, the most important thing right now for your kids, and I'm a guy that deals with kids 24-7 of all ages. How old's your oldest? Four. Oh no, man. I think you got lucky that that didn't happen when she was 14. Absolutely, man. Dude, and it's, that is my, it's fun. Yeah, I love that you see that, man. That, and I wish she was zero. You know what I mean? I wish oh, I, God, listen, I wish I had hair, but that ain't happening. You know, I wish I had a full set of hair like you, bro. That ain't happening. But 14 years to be this guy. That's, that's the move. That's, that's the move. Yeah. And, and, and it's easy because it's like, it's easy to go. Like, like I would think like one of the thoughts I had, which is kind of, you know, it's, it's my experience, but. I'd be like, whatever. I'm at their birthday party. I even grilled. But if I'm honest, I want to grill because I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm like, cool. What can I do that's task oriented so I can be over here drinking and not really present? And dude, now that I'm present, like, and I always played with my kids even then, but I didn't enjoy it. You didn't enjoy it. I love you said that, man. Fox, man. But now, dude, 
we roughhouse, dude. It's so awesome, dude. Like, no, we, you see it, dude, and you see it, and you now you're entering a stage in your life where when you start to appreciate the things, you understand the sacrifices that it takes to get things and the, and just the experiences you start to make. And, okay, uh, your neighbor might have a 50-story house, and it looks amazing. But your house, with whatever rooms it has, and however kitchens and bathrooms and lawn and cars, as long as you're happy and the people around you are developing developing and that you're doing your best and you know listen uh this happened my son struck out 17 times an example but guess what i'm able to practice with him or i'm able to do this or i'm able to that. that's what i've noticed and i've been around extremely successful people that's what matters bro yeah, yeah. well it's funny dude like and one of the things i was telling my wife about the other day and it's trivial right and it's this goal that i have but i got it in my head when i got into business that I will know I made it when I'm driving a Porsche Panamera. And I would say that to people like, dude, you're so successful. And I'm like, I'm not yet. But when you see me driving that Panamera, you'll know. And to be honest with you, bro, if you gave me a Porsche Panamera today, I would sell it and I would try to do something good with it. Like, oh, I don't yeah, care. Just I'm, like, dude. I'm, I'm plus the Panamera with those budget seats. And then you can only sit four people in the Panamera. So <laughs> that's not that's not a you kind of car, man. You need something that everybody can sit in. Yeah. Josh. Are you still doing the flag thing or is that done? Uh, for right now, I'm not sure, man. And that's why it's like, this is a really cool opportunity in my life right now. where like, I'm kind of fixing up the house and, and you know, I'm still, I am still doing the flags. I'm just not sure what, what's ahead. I know I got, I got grad school coming and I know I've been really blessed. I know I got good things coming. I'm just trying to be quiet enough to listen to what to understand. You ever, you ever see uh you know what you just reminded me of? Do you remember, do you ever see Kill Bill? Yeah, yeah. You know the guy that used to make the hens or something swords? Yeah. That's you, bro, with the flags. You know, it's like, can we get him to come out of retirement to get I love it. I love it. I've actually been working on it. I'm, I'm going to start posting some stuff, but uh, I've just been doing some different art lately. So I'm kind of doing some next. Super cool. I saw what you were doing. It looks really cool, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, so it's like I'm going to be doing a lot more of that and probably doing a lot more custom pieces. I got a few galleries that have offered me gallery space if I have a little bit more variety. So I'm actually digging into that and I'm loving that. And we'll see if it's a business, you know, like I, I, it's funny, like my background, you know, you've made done such an amazing thing, man. You should be really proud of it. That you've turned a, a, you know, a skill like baseball into your changing people's lives and making a difference. And I want to copy you, honestly, like how do I take being a good businessman or, or a special operator and not have to do that anymore, but get it, just help people. And, and if I get to share Christ in the process, dude, that's, that's my jam. That's what you're going to know, but that's what you're going to do. All you have to do is it's easy. It's easy. It's easy. When you had always remember this, when you had to get from point A to point B, when you're in service, you don't look to the left, you don't look to the right, you attack, get to your goal. What's the goal? whatever you want it to be. Here's the beauty. The goal is whatever you want it to be. How do we get there? By preparing. You know how to deal with failure. You know how to now deal with expectations. You're old enough and wise enough to understand your traps, right? So all it is, is, okay, does this make me happy? Awesome. Does this generate the amount of money that I want? Maybe not right now, but it will someday. If that's your passion and that's what you like to do, go for it. My passion is not hitting a baseball. 
My passion is not, my passion is human beings finding talent in them and telling them, man, what you have is special. What you have can be used in this, not to make money, but to help people. And watch what happens. Watch the beauty. Now, in our case, we'll call it God, we'll call it the universe, we'll call it whatever. Watch what happens when you start to make other people's lives, starting with your wife, because the hardest one, and people don't understand this, the hardest one to make happy are the closest one around us. Because they need us 24-7, man. It's not like you could, like, check out and come back in. I could have a one-hour call with you, buddy. Stroke you all day. Awesome. Josh is the best. I love you. All right, Josh. Take it easy, bro. Peace out. What are you What are you going to do tomorrow at this time? What do you do Saturday? And it's like what I tell people when I started off as a, as a baseball coach, whatever. I go, listen, everybody loves Coach HP because I don't put the lineup. The minute I start putting the lineup and I bench your kid, or I, now I'm on the clock. Now you're not going to like me anymore. We don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to deploy people. You don't have to send people to war. All you got to do is that gift that you have with your hands, that coincidentally, you never knew you were going to get into that. You were put into that. Now, how do we tie that in? Speaking. Hey, guys, what's up? Jumper Josh here. Yeah, Jumper Josh. Para Jumper Josh here. Today, I want to talk to you about my ministry. People are not going to like it. That's okay, man. What matters is intention. Hey, guys, today I want to talk about flag number 11. I know you've heard about it, but now I'm going to get to the nitty-gritty. I was having breakfast, and that breakfast day, I was having waffles and a protein shake with my boys, and then Joe Rogan come out of the blue. Those stories, say stories, say stories, say stories, and then all you got to do is post it, dude. Content. That's it. I told you. That's it. And live your life at the same time. Go to school if that's what your heart tells you. Start another business, whatever. But if you do that and you start putting that out there, what's going to happen? People are going to start coming after you, just like Joe Rogan did. And then you start, okay, this is going to be my life. It's going to be my life. And then next thing you know, you're at that place already where you're so fulfilled inside that then it just becomes automatic, man. And especially you because you got so much talent, bro. I appreciate it, man. And and what's interesting, I've had a... Along the path, I've been asked to do some public, you know, a fair bit of public speaking, and it's always about military stuff. and And I would do it, and I didn't. I, I I enjoyed the the engagement, and I enjoyed the opportunity, but I didn't enjoy the content. And so it's like I would leave, like, like, oh, how many people? Be? Oh, a thousand people are going to be there. Yeah, dude, I'd love to do it. But it's like for the first time, I'm like, I have something to say now. You know, like I want to. For every husband out there that's his, you know, unaware of what he's screwing up right now. I want to talk to that guy. Like that's well, listen, I love, love, love that you brought that up. I love that you brought that up, Josh, because you think when people brought me out to speak, they brought me out to speak so that I could talk to them about how to, how to deal with their kids when they get out of the car. No, everybody wanted to hear me speak so that I could give them some formula so the kid could hit more home runs. Yeah. So the kids could throw harder, but I go, okay, I'm coming. But this is how, this is what I care about. You want to know what I care about? Happiness. You want to know what I care about? Effort. Got it right here. Effort and attitude. That's That's all I care about. That's it. So now when you speak and they're going to, because the baseball, the sports stuff is what attracted people with me. Your military stuff. Oh, military? Of course. What would you like me? This is exactly what you're going to do. I'm telling you. And you've thought about this already, but this is what you're going to do. Oh, you want me to speak at the whatever 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 perfect no there's gonna be a thousand ex-military guys awesome any topics you'd like me to hit 
Yes, please hit topic A, B, C. You got it. You're going to go into A. You're going to go into B. You're going to crush C. And then you're going to go D. And D's going to be whatever your heart tells you you want to talk about that day. Whether it's how to maintain a healthy beard, how to have a great set of hair, how to be father to two kids, how to be in a relationship, how to deal when a door bangs and you're crying and your wife has to hold you and you're going to cry on stage. You're going to remember this moment that I'm telling you right now. You're going to cry on stage and it's going to be the most freeing thing in the world. I get emotional even telling you this. When men see you up there fully tatted, super successful, crying at how that felt. But half, if you're going 50-50, 50 of it is crying that, damn, that sucked. And the other 50 is you're so pumped and you're happy because you're going to help somebody else. I'm telling you, yeah. I talk about that on stage to people. And I'm not some cool military guy. I didn't have that. It's just me there. And people sitting there looking at me. And I get emotional because nobody cares about what's happening to Josh. But I became that guy. You have those same tendencies, man. So sky's the limit, bro. Sky's the limit for you. Before I let you go, two yeah. things. What's your favorite type of music, man? Well, you know, it's funny, dude. I just posted on my social oh, media. I saw you're looking for Christian music, no? Dude, it's not. I mean, I'm not trying to be ugly, man. It's just, it's. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah, it's kind of hard, right? But I mean, not that I'm not going to listen to other music. I, I'm, you know, it's funny, dude. I'm, I'm your cliche 40 year old, dude. Like I still listen to the music I listened to when I was 20. So like old punk. You know, Rage Against the Machine, you know, all that stuff. Favorite Rage Against the Machine song? What's that? What's your favorite Rage Against the Machine song? Oh, shoot. Um, Killing in the Name of is pretty much, you know, that's that's your workout starter on most days, right? It's called Killing? Killing in the Name of, I think is the name of it. In the Name of, all right, all right. But, uh, all right, yeah, Josh. Albums and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't listen to a lot of new music. And then I was like, well, I want to listen to like, yeah, you know, I, I want to. It's that whole thing, man. It's like cognitive behavioral th therapy, like garbage in, garbage out. So if I'm exactly. listening to angry stuff, why am I? Well, of course, I'm an angry guy. So it's like well, I want to be a, a God-centered guy and, and focus my my thoughts and everything on positivity and helping people. But the music is it's kind of rough. So yeah, it's it's funny. I'm looking for a whole new thing. So if anybody has any good Christian bands out there, that all right, I'm, gonna, I'm we're gonna find out. Don't worry, I, I know people. We're gonna get you some out there. Josh, anything for me, man? Any question for me? Anything I can help you with? Dude, you've been amazing, man. It's been great getting to know you over the last month or so, and and I'm excited for your family and everything. And I want that one of those posters that's behind you. Maybe I can make that in patina. You send me that logo, I'll make it. No, up. no. What I'm going to do is I'm going to have my guy, Zach, that I want you to meet him. I'm going to have him talk to you. Zach was a kid. I got over a 1,000. I got over during COVID, though, especially the beginning of COVID, I got so many people reach out to me with help of stuff. And I gave him advice. And he's now the official, uh, he has all this for Barstool Sports. He's crushing it. I'm going to put you guys together so you could talk and we can we can get you some going. I'm going to let you go now, but don't hang up because I want to say bye to you the right way. Yeah, yeah, Where man. can people find you? Where can people find you? Uh, Pair Jumper Josh on Instagram. And if people get sick, they hear this, Josh, what they are, and they're going to get excited about the flag, where do they go to you for that? Is it One Nation? What is your account? It's one nation right now. I'm, I'm going to change that because I'm, I, you know, I shut down the company and I'm going to, I just don't know what to call it yet. Um, so let's reach out to Parajumper Josh. And it's on, it's linked to that account. So if you go to my profile on Parajumper Josh, whatever uh, my art site is, it will be on there for a link. So they'll be able to find it. And then my if man, anything, DM me. Perfect. Perfect. DM me. 
Thank you guys so much for sticking with the podcast. Thank you for Josh for giving me his feedback, for telling me a story. Please, if you haven't yet, subscribe, join, join the movement, join the family. I love as many of you guys as possible to come out, feel the life, feel the love actually, and join the movement forever, guys. Please remember, go hard, do your thing. Don't criticize anybody. Don't try to impress. Support, support, support. Good things happen when you support. It's your coach. Love you guys. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.